We come to this place for monsters. We come to horror movies, to scream, to cringe, to scare. Because we need that, all of us. That hair-raising feeling we get when the lights begin to dim. And we are taken somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow terrorized together. Dazzling guts on a huge silver screen. Stabs that I can feel. Somehow, murder feels so good in a place like this. Our final girls feel like the best parts of us, and stories feel disturbing and powerful. Because, because here, they are. In horror, we trust. Some geese, <laughs> well, folks, or pig, rotting pig. Okay. Ugh. Well, folks, we are back with another lovely episode featuring a film that we just checked out called Pearl, <laughs> the sequel to Ty West's film, a sequel or pre- prequel, 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 more of a prequel, pre-sequel. Per, per sequel, sequel pre, pre, sequel pre. pre. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yes, a prequel to Ty West's movies, X. Yeah. Again, featuring Mia Goth. Yeah, and X was released in March, and so now it's September this of this year. year. <laughs> so this movie was released within the same year. Pretty crazy. I was not expecting us to get it this quickly. I was kind of in shock. Yeah, I mean, when they showed the little trailer for Pearl at the end after credits of X, I was like, oh, it seems like they got a lot, but, like, obviously don't know how much. They had the whole film already, but it turns out they they basically did. Yeah. Um, Was it already filmed, or had they just been in a little bit of production at that point? They had the idea, they were already, like, they had the idea for Pearl even before they started production on X, which is cool, and they wrote it within the two-week quarantine they had to take before production on X. So Um, And then he does, I did read that um, they started production on Pearl uh, about four weeks after the wrap of X, which is fucking crazy that's nuts (laughs) i mean i guess they you know had were already they were like planning at the same time as they were filming x like you know using the barn and the locations and stuff they would already be kind of conceptualizing in their minds like oh let's make it look like this for pearl i love that a trilogy from the start yeah it's so (laughs) interesting especially for horror yeah to me at least (laughs) i don't think i've ever encountered a movie that let its sequel or prequel out in the same year of the original release that's really unique it really is and i i wonder why they kind of wanted to just like put it out there so fast that's an interesting decision to keep it fresh in people's minds you know i mean it got us hyped yeah okay we get to see both in the span of a few months yeah like that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, and they've already announced the third part, Maxine. Yes. Max Triple X scene. Which will take place in the 80s. Yes. Which should be fun. I'm excited for that as well. Which yeah. they did again at the end of Pearl. We got the little after credit snippet of Maxine, yeah. which wasn't as thorough oh, yeah, no. as the little clip-it of like Pearl was, but yeah. it was still enough at least for myself, to be excited. So that makes me wonder if they did the same level of pre-planning and, like, if they're going to, you know, if they're already in production. I would assume so if they're already releasing the little teaser. We were, um, Chris and I were discussing this on the car ride back. Like, we wonder how long it's going to take to get to see Maxine, if it's going to follow the same trend. Yeah, I I feel like if 
to keep the momentum up, I would assume. Yeah. So I, that what a feat. <laughs> yeah. Dang. That's impressive. Three movies within the span of 12 months. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Mia Goth must be really like, I don't just dialed in. Yeah. <laughs> she dialed is in. She is Maxine. Dialed <laughs> in and exhausted, poor oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess at least with they got X, the, the bigger, for her, I would assume, because she has to play two characters yeah. and one in full prosthetic makeup and yeah. everything. Um, got that big load out of the way. <laughs> now she can kind of relax a little yeah. bit oh. but that makes me curious for Maxine like what are we yeah. gonna see from Mia Goth like in this one because yeah. she's been impressive yeah especially two so in far this one yeah Pearl I think her her like acting chops really got to shine oh my god yes in absolutely a particular scene we will talk about yeah <laughs> so quick synopsis of Pearl if you don't know trapped on her family's isolated farm Pearl must tend to her ailing father under the bitter and overbearing watch of her devout mother. Lusting for a glamorous life like she's seen in the movies, Pearl finds her ambitions, temptations, and repressions all colliding in this origin story of X's iconic villain. So I guess I'll ask you, what were your expectations for Pearl kind of before going into it and seeing that little trailer? Honestly, I don't know if I had too much, like, expectation put on it. I just knew it was kind of going to be a wild ride Mm -hmm. seeing what Pearl's character kind of was from the previous film. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just kind of like, oh, well, this is going to be a wild ride. I, I, like... I guess I was just really excited to see her character development and, like, what kind of made her go nuts, what made her tick, like, what, how did this girl end up in the position that she's in, or this woman, um, excuse me, but, yeah, I just didn't have a lot, um, with watching the trailer, I will say... I still think Pearl is vicious, but I was expecting her to be, like, murdering left and right. Right, Like, just taking out everyone. And I think, and I appreciated that in, later on, it was a little more subdued. Um, I'm very thankful that she did not kill as many animals as I I assumed would happen in the trailer, because it... They they do show one. Trigger warning on that. Yeah, there is one. Um, but I was expecting her to just be, like, murdering her entire farm. (laughs) Right, which they kind of, the mom does say, like, she has been. And she does say that she had been starting to kill. But I'm just glad that it was, it was implied as opposed to shown. I know, that would have been rough. But I I would say I I kept a fairly open mind going into Pearl. Yeah, I am right there with you. I didn't have a lot of expectations because you do get a good sense of Pearl already in X so it was really cool to see it fleshed out and this Pearl is truly a character study Yes, Um, very well done and uh, when you're saying about you thought that she would be murdering left and right and it didn't I think the style of it definitely influenced that I mean I'm sure they already like Intended just not to, but I just feel like with the style, you know, this X being the 70s and like Texas Chainsaw, you yeah. know, like there is a lot of murdering left and yeah. right. And now this is a melodrama, Technicolor, yeah. like feels like Mary Poppins or Wizard of Oz yeah. definitely lent itself to like how they portrayed the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no, I agree. Withholding that. I thought it was really interesting, too, though, how, like, you were saying how her character just kind of developed through this film, considering we had seen so much of Pearl in X. Because in X, I feel like we get two kind of different versions of Pearl. Like, X, she's more this sex-crazed, like, lonely, like, dare I say, decrepit (laughs) housewife. Whereas in this movie... I feel like Pearl, we're going on a journey with her. It seems like she's just insecure and she just wants to be loved and paid attention to, which is vastly different 
from the character portrayed in X, but you can kind of connect the dots mm-hmm. and see how her personality would have evolved into yeah, that. Fester. Yeah, which I thought was like pretty incredible. Yeah. The character development on that is is beautiful. Yeah. It's it's crazy because by the end of Pearl, when you do start seeing like her really yeah. come out, start to come out. Um, she's already at like I don't know an eleven by the end, yeah. but X, thinking back to X, yeah. kind of cranks that up even more, which is like damn. And it's kind of wild to think, and I think that it was a very genius, creative decision to put X out before Pearl. Yeah, because like you, you think that seeing Pearl is like the max that she can go. Like it just right. it's, it's an interesting play, but like. Yeah. At the end of Pearl, you're like, whoa, I feel like this is more extreme than her and X. But then you sit right. back and think of it and you're like, wait, no. Yeah. She was kind of wild in X. And it's just, it's kind of yeah. mind blowing to see her character kind of go there. Because I think just her being able to show emotion and she's obviously like, how do I say more um, nimble? <laughs> I don't know. But like, she shows way more emotion in this. And so it feels like it's more like, a higher level, level. but yeah. then when you look at the actual, I don't know, kills and um, uh, <laughs> and the actions. Yeah, I feel like X. Yeah, is just whoo. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I would say Pearl met my expect like the little expectations I had. Yeah. I just knew it was gonna be crazy. Yeah. Like, um, it was definitely a little different. Um, the pacing of it, like we yes. were talking about how it felt really long, but it's only an hour and 42 minutes. I was <laughs> saying to Carissa while the movie ended and we were waiting for the um, after credits kind of little bit, I was like, I was expecting it to be a, at least an hour and a half yeah. later than it actually was. Right. And that's not to say that the movie was bad. Mm-hmm. It was just like you felt the time kind of crawl. Yes. And... It's, but you're still absorbed in the film. So, like, you're not sitting there looking at your clock waiting for yeah. time to pass by. But, yeah. like, once it's over, you're just kind of like, oh, that was long. Yeah. But it wasn't. And it was a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Um, definitely a melodrama. <laughs> like, yes. But we were saying it kind of serves its its era. Yeah. Like, in that era, films were kind of long and expansive yes. and it just like it was they were long yeah. they we were, were long films with the wind yes <laughs> very so. gone with the wind just like totally. an epic in yeah. a sense and so I just yeah it was kind of cool that every single little element of this film kind of fell in its era I feel the same way that X kind of fell in that era so I love seeing this like different decade timeline kind of pull through in each film so exquisitely yeah especially with horror I think is even more of a feat challenging more unique hold for sound So because they were already planning and preparing for Pearl, even before they started shooting X, they obviously didn't know if A24 would like green light um, this film because they don't even know, you know, how X is going to go or whatever. Um, but, but A24 read the script and everything and they were on board from the beginning. So that's dope and makes me like them even more. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't greenlit, it kind of would have just served as uh, character background and prep for Mia just to get into Pearl for X. Which is really cool. That's pretty extensive. I know. Yeah. So much work. So much Seems... work. Makes me respect Ty West and Mia Goth yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. With Again, um, so it's very interesting. Mia Goth was credited as co-writing with yeah. Ty West on Pearl. Wasn't so on X, but for Pearl, yeah. which is which kind of makes me wonder if after this film, if they're gonna team up again, or if Mia Goth maybe cool. is gonna do something on her own. Yeah, kind I mean, of ugh. things to look forward Dude. to for sure. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just put it out there. Mia Goth is just exceptional. 
Yes. Oh my goodness. I will watch anything she's in. (laughs) I think this movie solidified it for me. Because, I mean, I loved her in X, Mm -hmm. but there were so many parts of this film that just showcased her acting ability phenomenally. Yeah. And Chris and I kind of both agreed with one scene in particular in this film, um, which was her monologue towards the end. Mm So impressive. Yeah. Um, in I don't even know how long that monologue was, but in that, I mean, it had to have been for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And while she was speaking, you didn't get too many shots of responses. The camera just kind of lingered on her face. And even though she was speaking in, a, for a majority of it, kind of in a monotone voice, um, the expressions that were on her face yeah. that went from angry to hopeful to upset to mm-hmm. just distraught. Yeah. I, I just, that monologue was insane. Insane. Yeah. I was super impressed. And that kind of locked in the idea for me that I'm, Mia Goth is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that was one of the best monologues I've, yeah. I've seen in quite some time. And it was... <laughs> Since Tony Collette, I would say, in Hereditary. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And it yeah. was one shot. Yeah, it was one shot. Um, apparently, they they did shoot it quite a few times. It was less than ten, though. He, he said around six or seven, maybe. Um, That's insane. And they filmed that whole scene from the top, and it was one shot. So it wasn't just the monologue. It was so the whole thing when they were filming is like 15 minutes worth. And wow. um, obviously that's a lot for me, for me got to have to like put out there. Yeah. Um, and Ty West was describing that Migoth was super down. She would have done it like 99 times if needed, but that more of the struggle was on the technical side for the yeah. crew. And I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Going back to style, um, so I think they were initially thinking of doing it in black and white, which would kind of make more sense with the era that this yeah. actually is in, which was 1919. Um, so like silent movies. But I guess, um, and it also would have been cheaper and quicker turnaround, especially since this was such a fast like undertaking. Um, but apparently I think A24, they, you know, they had already released quite a few black and white films. They had already done The Lighthouse, Malcolm and Marie, and Come On, Come On, which are all in black and white. So um, I don't know if it was like A24 telling them, no, let's not do a black and white. But anyway, they decided to turn it into a Technicolor-inspired film um, and have that effect throughout the, you know, as the film, which is beautiful. I think um, that's... Complete re- redesign. Yeah. I didn't notice how many black and white movies A24 has come out with, but I'm glad that they made that decision because I feel like this movie really lent to the Technicolor kind of inspired look. I loved the saturated colors, like especially the reds in this movie. A lot of the blood was just super bright and I think done in any other way would have kind of been like... Yeah. Why? Yeah, exactly. But like with the t- with the way that this film was colored to begin with, I think it was it looked amazing and it was really cool and it was it added kind of a little bit to the grotesqueness because yes. it was so bright and it contrasted on everything. Yeah, so. especially the situation and yeah. like how kind of miserable like the farm is yeah. and uh, yeah. It's, kind of that juxtaposition with like the misery but then you have these colors that are so bright and happy it's just it was a very interesting yeah yeah that it is so interesting and how like because you would think that a black and white film would would lend itself more to yeah just the isolation and repression on the farm but like yeah i think the technicolor added much more for mia goth as a character and how especially like her fantasies and just her hopes and dreams just her whole motivation it's just like she views she dreams of life as as what she's seen in the movies and hollywood movies especially during well i guess it was 1919 so it was silent films but she still saw the wonder of like filmmaking and being a star 
and to have it shot as like the golden age of Hollywood type of film was very suiting. And I noticed too that like as her character falls deeper and deeper into her madness, her colors that she like wears or that are around her get brighter and brighter and brighter. And then by the end of the movie, she's wearing this bright red dress. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of what she wound up in in the in the final piece and in the end. Yeah. And striking. I just, yeah, it was striking and it was, I think, a really cool creative decision. Yeah. Yeah. Another kind of technical aspect of the film that I found to be really cool was in the beginning of X, they started with the barn doors that kind of cut the aspect ratio and then mm-hmm. it opens up and you see the farm. And then with this film, Pearl... They don't necessarily play on the aspect ratio, but it's still, you get the barn doors that open up and you see the farm. Yeah. Which was kind of a cool correlation that kind of tied the movies together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like in X, the barn is already open and so it's like the edges of the doors are cutting it off into that ratio. And in this one, the barn doors are completely closed. You just get like the little sliver of light through them. And then, you know, when they open up, I was saying it felt like when curtains open for like the old Hollywood movies or performances. I didn't get that. But when Chris stated it, I was like, oh my God, that was so smart. Like, yes. Like like even stage plays when it's just like, (laughs) which was just, again, it kind of tied into its era so seamlessly. And yeah. It's yeah. Tai West. Hats off. I know. It's very creative. <laughs> very creative. Speaking of like characters and development, is there another character in the film that you really, really liked? Um, not just the character itself, but maybe the actor's performance, or was like Mia Goth your main kind of standing? I I did really like the mom. Yeah. I would say she's probably the I mean, the one you see most of besides Pearl, and you you do get like almost a, a small character study on the mom yeah. too and then you come to find out that she's kind of also lived this or living this repressed life as pearl feels but you know she has her own kind of yeah. monologue <laughs> if yeah. you will where she's just so upset with like pearl coming off as ungrateful because even though they share like basically the same feelings about their life and wishing something better they had dreamed of something better for their life um the mom takes it as you're so ungrateful like i did the you know i'm in this position to like sustain the family you know the dad's um so the film takes place around um the era of the spanish flu Mm -hmm. and then i think we're led to believe that he had gotten sick from the flu and he ended up being bound in a wheelchair pretty much unresponsive like he could breathe he could see he could hear but he couldn't feed himself he couldn't wash himself or anything like that so he kind of became the burden on the family yeah and so basically when the mom starts um finally lashing out and like saying what she's kind of been withholding um you come to find out that she's just you know she's very unhappy with her life um she says i was supposed to be his wife not his mother and everything and you know it just echoes pearl's um yeah kind of frustrations but it's just very interesting to see them like take it out on each other and really really go at it um i just i mean i had a lot of empathy but also i was like I don't know. I just was frustrated with both of them because yeah. it's like, yeah, she, Pearl's kind of coming off as like a like a, a bratty child, yeah. like you said. <laughs> um, and the mom's coming, like, oh, give her a little freedom. You don't have yeah. to be that harsh on her or whatever. Like, she just wants to live. But the mom's so bitter about her life now. Yeah. yeah. It just it seemed like we were witnessing generational trauma yeah. being passed down in a yes. cycle, just being repeated. Yeah. And it was just yeah, Definitely. but echoing you it was very interesting because you wanted to see the mother as a villain but at the same time you were just like pearl stop being a toddler like come on yeah yeah so it was it was a very push and pull kind of emotional reaction watching the two of them yeah when it came to that head it was uh, it was very raw and felt like 
just very tense too and you kind of were waiting for something to yeah. happen and like when something did happen spoiler um and she starts kind of fighting with the mom a bit the mom catches on fire and she goes up like I, a christmas tree i would i had made a joke after um viewing it i was like she went up so quickly. Like, what was her clothing made out of? Yeah. Fucking gasoline? Yeah. Like, like, she caught so quickly. Yeah. So quickly. But um, she does try to put her out. Did put her out. <laughs> and she does. Yeah. I feel like one of the most disrespectful ways by just picking up a pot mm-hmm. off the stove yeah. from the dinner that we I they mean, had been eating and just threw it on her. Yeah. Oh, God. And then God. it's like finally when... She sees that she kind of has the upper hand, maybe emotionally and physically, on her mom. Then she kind of just is like leans into it, like this is my chance. Yeah, which I feel like, like I'm gonna take it again is very childlike yeah. and very toddler like mm-hmm. because I I feel like kids that young they run on pure emotion. They don't have logic. They don't have reasoning. It's just whatever they're feeling, they react on. So if they're hungry, they're gonna cry. Yeah. If they're angry, they're gonna swing their arms around and I feel like that's exactly what Pearl is she just runs on pure emotion I mean yeah can we talk about all her moments where she breaks yeah where it's just like (laughs) I I don't know if it was from the repression of her family upbringing or if it's just screw loose a screw loose (laughs) yeah or what this or maybe a combination of both but she just reminded me of this, like, just genuinely a child that just didn't know how to mentally uh, compartmentalize things that are going on in her life. And just if anything was a hurdle for her, her emotions were just explosive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when she when she starts screaming at the projectionist guy yes. that she was hooking up with. And you see, like, the build-up. You you always see kind of a build-up before she full-on just starts wailing. But, like, just the, the, the subtle change in her you expression. You see it in her face. Her face drops. Yeah. And then she, she kind of, it, yeah, like a, like a toddler's, like, pouty face. Yeah. And, like, it's, what's wrong? Like, yeah. you don't like me or why? Yeah. And then she just goes, like, all in and just, like... Uh, Screaming just uninhibited, like unhinged, 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 yes, unhinged. Um, yeah, in those the subtle changes, she does like start, she comes off scary, and like everyone points out, you know, you're kind of scary, off putting, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I thought, okay, speaking of characters, Mm -hmm. it's gonna sound really funny, but I feel like the pitchfork became a character in and of its own. Because when Pearl picks up that pitchfork again for the first time in Pearl, the audience had an audible reaction to it. And I feel like that pitchfork has its own notoriety again. Like, they they have a shot where it's just on the pitchfork leaning up against the wall, but it looks so, like, menacing. Yeah, like, beckoning for somebody to pick it up. Yeah, because then you, you know, can't help but think of an ex that great... The great shots and use of the pitchfork. I'm uh, almost wondering if the pitchfork is gonna make an appearance in the third installment. <laughs> <laughs> Going off of that, I read that Ty West said that the goal was to make something that felt very childish and full of wonder, but then make it demented and disturbing. And I think that completely describes what we were yeah. talking about—the childlike aspects that she um, resembles. Resembles, yeah, and because she, yeah. She has the childlike wonder of her fantasies and just, you know, dancing and, you know, it's very light. But then it just twists into, like, the most demented, disturbing. With that being said, like, I mentioned to Carissa before recording this, too, that Mia Goth's character, Pearl, looked like she was about 15 when the film first started. Like, she just had such childlike features. And... She just, I don't know. She just looked like this little rosy cheek little baby. Yeah, running around gleefully. Talking to animals. (laughs) Yeah, talking to animals. Like very like Disney princess almost. And then by the end of the movie, that was just gone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
going to the end of the movie where things really take a turn. I mean, like, they start taking a turn, obviously, when her and her mom yeah. had the head and basically she ends up killing both her parents um, <laughs> and posing them at the dinner table yeah. super creepily. Um, and then she goes to her, the audition, which was kind of like the moment you're... You're anticipating and dreading at the same time because you're like, you know, you want her to get it. You want her to yeah. get it just so she'll fucking calm down. No. <laughs> but like, you know, um, but you just know that she, she can't. It's not going to happen. Um, and yeah, and she doesn't get it. And I, I did really like that scene. I did too. Like when she enters and it's all slow motion and it's very dull. And like she's it wearing is. the red dress, but yeah. it's so dull when she's standing up on the stage at first. And then when she starts her number and it's like super, oh, silly. Just the smile on her face yeah. too was just, I don't know if you read it this way, but I felt it was so unsettling. It was. Yeah. It was. And I was like, oh, um, oh, no. And then it, like, transitions into what's yeah. in her head, what's playing in her head, and she's part of this chorus line in a big movie yeah. um, doing that kind of, yeah, chorus line dance. Um, and I was, like, watching it, I was like, I mean, she's doing a good job for, like, yeah. what that is and what she's yeah. going for. And I was like, maybe she has a chance. And she just, I think her confidence or, like, what she was believing in made me believe, too, yeah. a little bit. And then, like the switch the cut to like done it's crickets and they're like that'll be a no yeah <laughs> just didn't even entertain the idea yeah. of possibility just immediately yeah. were like nope and then her reactions yeah. to that and her emotions starting to build up and she completely and i think too with the the reasoning that the judges gave to her where they were looking for someone all American and blonde I think that ate at her psyche a little bit too and was the reason that she kept questioning her sister-in-law at the end during the the monologue where she's like you got it didn't you yeah because I thought I was like oh her sister's in-law's probably gonna get it she fits the bill that part yeah so leading up into the monologue and to me, like the most tense oh, part just of the film, yeah. with dread. <laughs> yeah, even more so than the audition. Yeah, it's like she's she has her monologue with the sister-in-law and kind of pouring her soul out. But she, it's like diluted. You know, yeah. she's she's in another one of her fantasies where because the sister is acting like, oh, act like I'm Howard, your husband, and just say what you would to him. You can say it to me. Like practice. Yeah. And then she just pours her soul out and is like... I mean, every the, deep, dark yes. thing that mm-hmm. this girl has done just she, is yeah. laid out on yeah. the literal table. Yeah, she basically confesses to doing murderous things. Yeah. <laughs> but she, uh, like, glazed over yeah. it, which yeah. I thought was very interesting. It was just like, oh, another Sunday of activities. Yeah. yeah. You can just see the, like... Just demented narcissism, but childish. Yeah. It was like the childish hopefulness mixed in with this just like deluded, angry person. And like adult reality too, to what her her situation is, at least in her eyes. Um, (laughs) I don't know if, again, if this read for you, Mm -hmm. but it... I had, like, conflicting emotions watching that scene. Mm -hmm. So, aside from being in awe at Mia Goth's performance, I, for a split second, had empathy for her and kind of felt bad for her. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh -uh, This girl's unhinged. Like, something really bad's going to happen after this kind of dumping of her trauma, essentially. And I was just, again, a little bit of empathy and feeling bad, but there was also that layer of fear there where I'm like, oh, what is this girl? Yeah, there's something not right. She literally (laughs) had nothing else left to lose at that point because she had trauma dumped everything and then it was just kind of like, okay, well now this unsuspecting person knows this much about her. Like, I don't think that... She's going to get away with knowing that much about Pearl's intentions. 
I know. And for a second, I mean, Pearl just has like that, just a great duality to yeah. her that she exhibits to people. Yeah. And um, yeah, so when she's, she starts, um, she comes out of the little, I don't know, spell of like yeah. acting like it's Howard and it's, she sees her as the sister-in-law again, Mitzi. Um, That's her name. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like saying, I know you got it. Like, I'm glad for you either way, right? And like, I for a second I believed her. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then, and then you look in her mm-hmm. eyes and you can see that yeah. Mitzi is like full of fear and she's very calculated and right. watching exactly what she says to yes. Pearl. Because she realized how much of a threat Pearl yeah. is, and she's trying her best to get away from the situation, which I thought it was really interesting. Because most people, I don't know, my reaction would be if I had said what I could to get out of the house, I would run to my car. Yeah. But Even she then. walked very evenly and very calmly, and I think Talking it about. was to just soothe Pearl's mind yeah. and to not make Pearl suspect that she thought any differently towards yeah. her to just kind of get her out of that situation. Yeah. I mean, Mitzi really impressed me in that scene yeah. as a character. I was just like, oh, I didn't think she'd be like this kind of intuitive, I yeah. guess. Um, it was very intuitive and very calculated. But yeah, and then that, that scene when she's leaving the house yeah. where you're just like, okay, she's she's almost home free. Yeah. I thought her car was out. I thought she had a car. And I she thought was she out did there, too. So I was like, get in, get in. Yeah. <laughs> but then she, I guess she walked. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I assume there was a car there too. Maybe she parked a little yeah. further off and we never yeah. saw her get to that point. Or maybe they did walk. Yeah. I don't know. And just the walk and yeah. then Pearl coming out, kind of eyeing her. <laughs> then you just see yeah. Pearl casually walking over to the axe. I, oh I, I legitimately thought she was going to go back for the pitchfork. Oh, yeah. And when I saw her grab the axe, I was like, oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Jack Torrance shit right now. (laughs) And, yeah, I I do love that shot of... Yeah. It's just... It's all... It's like one shot leaving the house again. And super, like, a wide shot. (laughs) She's just walking, turning into a run. And then Pearl running after the fucking axe. And, of course, there's a classic trip. Yeah, and I think that that intentional style choice of like leaving it as one long clip instead of making cuts to it added to the anxiety of the scene because I think if they were to have like cut it and then switched to a different angle or a different viewpoint it would have given you a break and you would have been like okay and then you would ramp back up but just having it just that whole time you just track with them complete dread oh god so much anxiety in that moment yeah and it's like i don't know just a classic like her running just felt so slow at the same time you're like come on come on you just want to like both the running just felt kind of slow but she's catching up yeah that was good um i liked how you know when pearl whenever she killed someone with the exception of I think with the exception of her dad, I don't yeah. remember if they did it with her dad, but like they always had that super low angle looking up at her angle with yeah. like the axe or the pitchfork mm-hmm. standing over them. Ugh. Well, I think it's because she didn't have resentment towards her dad. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably why they didn't make her look villainous. Yeah. Because she yeah, empathized. She, she empathized. She felt with, bad as yeah. she suffocated him to death. Well, no. <laughs> just, no. I mean, I'm not, did, I'm not saying that necessarily she felt bad for killing him. Yeah. But I think she just, she didn't have any animosity towards her dad. She not only conversated with her dad, but she took care of her dad. She bathed him and fed him. And I think because he wasn't inundating her Mm -hmm. with like what he expects of her or wants her to be or any of these actively repressing her, she didn't have this resentment over him. And so... When she did kill him, I don't think it was necessarily as vicious as some of the previous characters. It was, in her mind, maybe a little kinder of a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, but that's when she finally did it. Because at one point, she almost fed her dad with a crocodile, but her mom stopped her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There, There were just some times where, like, I was also kind of guessing the mother's like 
intentions and em- yeah. emotions. Just the way she would watch Pearl out the window, very like like psycho. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was kind of trying to work that out in my mind, trying to yeah. guess at that, like. You know, is Pearl kind of just, like, inherently evil? Like, has something wrong yeah. with her? Or, like, and the mother in her life kind of just exacerbates it? Yeah. Or is it, like... Something that was learned. Yeah, like, just yeah. completely learned and festered, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting it was, conversation. Uh, now that you mentioned that, too, I feel like maybe in a very toned-down kind of way, the way that her mother watched... Pearl like out the window almost kind of made me feel like it mirrored the way that Pearl watched Maxine yes. out of her window. <gasps> yeah, I didn't even think about that. So it's kind <laughs> of like again wow. this weird cycle, cycle of of, fucking... of just kind of wishful yeah. kind of wanting. Wanting, resentment. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, the parallels now. Yeah. There's like, a lot of them. Yeah, I kind of rec- I recommend rewatching X maybe, maybe before seeing before Pearl? Be- because they're so obviously tied together and everything and informing uh, yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So I also read um Ty West's kind of like thematic drive or influence. He had said that X thematically explores how the rise of independent filmmaking affected society which you get a lot of the conversations on like porn sexuality and the freedom of that to like show publicly and everything um and then here he had said um pearl kind of explores hollywood filmmaking's influence on people yeah which yeah you obviously get with pearl and all her hopes and dreams just like wanting to be a star like in the movies I just think it's really interesting that in this past year, we've got a lot of, like, movies that have this introspective take yes. on, like, the origins of filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know this has nothing to do with this film, but, like, we saw that in Nope. Yeah. And, like, we're seeing that yes. in this. Oh, my God. And yeah. it's kind of, like, a cool theme that... I feel like more filmmakers are kind of diving into and exploring. And I I, I do love that. And I feel like it's very interesting because, I mean, for us, that's not necessarily anything new for us because Chris and I did study film. Yeah. But for the average viewer, I think it's really cool because it gives them an insight in Hollywood and filmmaking. And in this case, like the, the big silver screen that like, people may not have known about previously like I feel like nobody would know what a foley is Mm -hmm. I mean at least most people I feel like wouldn't know what that is Mm -hmm. and to not know that like sexuality wasn't looked at in film in the early ages and like if that were seen like Pearl made a comment when she was watching the porn and they were these women being exposed she was like is that even legal yeah and I don't know how many people are aware that like I mean having your ankle show for a while in film was deemed like absolutely horrible and not allowed and it was scandalous and risque so I just think it's this really cool kind of looking in to like what we're watching Mm -hmm. essentially yeah yeah which is very interesting yeah and just how how filmmaking and films in general just i mean i'm sure everyone knows at some level but just seeing how much influence they can have on like society and like the norms and the the hopes and dreams of people and like how they choose to carry their lives and then in some of the most fucked up ways (laughs) yeah i'm not saying that it's that the the takeaway is like filming and spot you know like movies create psychos no Not at all. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, we could relate to it in some way. I sure. think it's too often we view as films as, like, a portrait of people's lives. Yeah. And we don't see it flipped the other yeah. way around in how films can kind of influence the way that people live their lives. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Real quick, Adam, did you have any comments on that? I mean, maybe just, just like, the... 
Yeah, because like the the deviancy in films, but Christine kind of already mentioned mm-hmm. it. It's like, but I I feel like the her mom is like repressing like actual life and like there's mm-hmm. kind of like facade and yeah, early yeah. pictures and stuff, um, which is why I think independent films started to rise up because it felt more real. Yeah, and that's what yeah. the guy says too. Is like this is real stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very Which I think is actually kind of a cool play with Maxine coming out because mm-hmm. the 80s was kind of the beginning of home video. Yeah. Which kind of opened up filmmaking to a brand new market. And we were seeing films that we would have never gotten the chance to see before. Yeah. Which kind of alludes me to think that Maxine is going to be the most brutal of all the films because of the way that we've kind of witnessed home video like in real life we got to see and especially in horror yeah we got to see things that we never could have imagined would have been on the big screen so since these are kind of you know like have slasher aspects to it especially x but like you know, 80s when yeah. it's really like booming. I really wonder how much they're going to play. Oh, into that, that just made me so. That thought Exciting. just made me way more excited for Maxine. Yeah. yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do with the character of Maxine, especially since yeah. this is after she survives the events yeah. of X. Yeah. Like, where, yeah, she, where goes. she going now? Yeah. I mean, she still has her mind set on her stardom. Yeah. Cycles, though. Yeah. The way how we're seeing the cycles repeat, like, and obviously, since it's, like, the same resemblance of character. And then you brought this up, too. So, like, in X, we kept seeing that that um, video or, like, clip replay on that small TV of, like, the religious kind of oh, yeah. pastor speaking over and over that we learned later was Maxine's dad. Yeah. And we didn't see any of that in this film, obviously, because yeah. we're speaking on Pearl. So I'm kind of curious to see how that comes into play in the third and final film. Yeah, yeah, especially you were bringing up, I mean, 80s was the start of, like, the real satanic panic. And, you know, seeing that Maxine yeah. may have come from, like, a religious background, yeah. super religious background, who, yeah, and she left that. I wonder if how that will come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm re- I'm really really interested in Maxine. I love the idea of home video and video nasties and just yeah. like religious oppression of yeah. of film and television in that era. Which I mean, I feel like kind of came to a head in later like later in the 90s, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there was a build up in the yeah. 80s that eventually led to that. Yeah. Right. So, I'm I'm kind of excited to see how that all plays through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just this whole production, like, this whole concept and, like, doing them all together so quick is just such a phenomenon. It's just making me fall in love with Ty West all over again. Mm -hmm. And really making me appreciate his art and his craft. And, yeah. His way of thinking. Like, wow. Um, And not just that, but the way that he, he... Hello. Hello. <laughs> the way that he are they are they censoring us? <laughs> the way that he just unfolds horror because yes. it's very unique and not a lot. I I feel like not a lot of directors can do it the way that Ty West can, where it's a very slow, gradual build, but it comes to this massive head. You know, usually slasher and slasher franchises or trilogies usually have like you know, certain formulas or expectations to them. And so this is technically a sequel, prequel, but it's like the second installment. As our beloved Randy points out, they have a part, usually have a particular, you know, set of rules, like the body count is always higher or bigger. Um, the death scenes are much more elaborate, more blood. Um, and then this one obviously doesn't apply, but... Never ever under any circumstances assume the killer is dead. Just to name some of yeah. them. How how do you feel it did it completely not follow any of the usual sequel slasher formula? Would you even apply like the slasher rules to these movies at all? Okay. I think if we were to apply them, mm-hmm. I don't think they necessarily fit, because yeah. I I don't think the body count was higher in this film. 
But but then if you're looking at those specific rules, do we even consider this yeah. a sequel? Because right, it right. is a prequel. Yeah, and like yeah, how does the time like the actual narrative timeline yeah. <laughs> fit into it or affect that? It's just it's just such an just, enigma. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, kind of a cool concept to think about. And yeah. I think maybe that just calls for a review of Scream to see if they ever talk about prequel rules yeah, to land that true. and see if this falls under any prequel rules. Yeah, cuz it yeah, I would say it really doesn't follow any formula. Yeah. It's kind of its own, but they're so like they're obviously so um packed together yeah these three movies are so tied together and i feel like the only two things i've noted that kind of follow any sort of like traditional quote-unquote slasher Mm -hmm. kind of thing is the tripping yeah if you trip you die yeah that happened um and then I mean, maybe not necessarily traditional to slasher rules, but mm-hmm. just like serial killers is all of the animal killings. Yeah. Which yeah. is sex. I guess not. it didn't, you know, it was like most of the characters, at least in X, who had sex did die. Except I mean, for Maxine. Same for Pearl, because she yeah, had sex with the, the projectionist, and then he died. The scarecrow? No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Can we talk about the Scarecrow scene yeah. and how uncomfortable oh, that was? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. first of all, I mean, Scarecrows are always pretty creepy, yeah. but, like, this one's head was, Okay. Like, Just for me, it was when she was humping the Scarecrow mm-hmm. and they kept coming back to the scarecrow's oh, yeah. face I don't know I just felt like it was going to come to life and it was going to yeah. be this weird kind of scare yeah. but it never did but I think it kind of shows her own psychological yes. oh, kind of understanding yeah, of things it felt and... like a dead body and which makes me think back to X more so but yeah. like yeah it was, it was definitely creepy and it was very interesting that yeah this one was definitely um, less so focused on her sexual desires. There's yes. like, you know, the small parts, but like. Which I feel less. like that's definitely going to come up again, but I feel like this was. It's still showcasing her desires, but it wasn't so much set on her sexuality yeah. Yeah. quite yet. I think she was right. still kind of. I don't want to say scared of it, but again, with that whole theme of repression. Yeah. 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 It's more so, like, mm-hmm. just focused on her character building. Yeah. It, it feeds into that. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you could even say an ex, it's like, if you just think that she's just sex crazed, like, you're not, you're missing Yeah, you're missing, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Because she definitely wasn't an ex. Yeah. There was a lot more to it. Yeah. And, and here, you really get, obviously, the background uh, yeah. and motivations of that. And I think that... Pearl's kind of obsession with sex in X might just be a side effect of her not getting mm-hmm. her desires fulfilled because yes. I think it has less to do with sex and just desire. Yeah. And when Absolutely. she's not being fulfilled, it kind of leaks out into other aspects of her life. And in this case, it happened to do with sex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really want to after seeing Pearl, like, go back and watch Uh, X, especially since temporarily, you know, it's in line. Um, Do you have any expectations for Maxine now? Like, what do you, are are you hoping for any, to get anything? Or since, you know, X and this one, they had these themes on how, like, well, oh, we already talked about that. Just the, the, the filmmaking kind of idea, like, as a medium. I just... I don't know necessarily if the filmmaking idea is a medium, but, like, I feel like there's been... Okay, we got the build of what Maxine could be in Pearl. Yeah. And then we saw in X what Maxine ended up as. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to see how all of this came to a head in, like, her prime years of her life. Right. And how this all unfolded. Like, yeah. we knew how it started. Now I want to see how it festered. Because we know, also know how it ended. So I feel like the sequel is going to be the most climactic part of the movie. Yes, where we're really going to see the psychosis of, like, 
Maxine and like how all of these other characters kind of shaped and molded her as a person and how that drama or that drama (laughs) drama and trauma have kind of molded and shaped this character and if that cycle is still reoccurring especially since you have Maxine played by Mia Goth yeah you know obviously it's like almost like a reincarnation of Pearl you know having that same yeah drive and desire um for stardom or should become a star if pearl ends up being somehow tied to maxine more Mm -hmm. than just in a happenstance kind of way in x but she just doesn't know it you know i know which would be interesting i think yeah i'm holding and i I, again so i like how the this trailer does not show like anything yet so that's giving me a lot of like oh god like what are they gonna do in this one um, but I, I don't, yeah, again, I don't necessarily think it's ex- expectations that I'm putting on it, yeah. but it's more just curiosities yes. to see, like, yeah. what's going to develop in this yeah. last film. Because yeah. all of these, I mean, X and Pearl have kind of succeeded my expectations. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to Maxine. Yeah, same. It, it really does feel like it's all coming to a head. Yeah. Um, this should be interesting. Will she keep her X Factor? <gasps> Time will tell. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, okay. I guess final cut. Yeah. Real quick. Final cut. Um. <laughs> okay, your favorite scene. I mean, I believe we both already kind of mentioned yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the the little round table scene. Yeah. With uh, Maxine and Mitzi, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Just I mean, impressive. we've already went into why we love it so much. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite shot, like, technically? Yeah. Well, there's a couple. Yeah. So I really liked the split screen when yeah. she's kind of brushing her mother's hair yeah. and setting her uh, up for that dinner scene. It was just so disturbing. Yeah. But the split scene kind of made it feel a little phantasmical and yeah. whimsical and it, it it fell in line with like the the dreaminess yeah. of those type of gilded age like i don't know that's golden age of hollywood type yes. of films and especially i was just thinking like because we, we learned about this in film school but you know during the great depression they started making films that were so grand and spectacle yes. to like take your mind away from yeah. that fucking horrors of reality and i think this did an effective job of kind of portraying that yeah stylistically and i think my second um one was uh the way that the camera kind of followed maxine and mitzi at that kind of head of their conversation (laughs) because it felt incredibly predatory and creepy and it was just like oh yeah, and still like a slow burn, like you're yeah. just waiting for it to slowly. She's starting to catch up, yeah. waiting for that final. And my last and final scene that I found, just I didn't even know what to think of it while it was happening, and mm-hmm. I was expecting the worst, is when she knocks on the door of the projectionist's room. And he shows her the clip of the porno. Mm -hmm. And Maxine is looking through the projectionist box. And you just see him kind of in the corner. But all you see of him is his torso. And he keeps readjusting his belt. And it's just, again, super predatory. And yeah, that just, I was like holding my breath watching it. Expecting something really awful to happen. And when it didn't, I was like, ooh, that was kind of an interesting shot. Like, yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you on especially, yeah, the wide shot of Pearl chasing after Mitzi. Yeah. And I, I do really like... This one will kind of more go under editing sequences for me. Yes. But, like, the opening. Um, yes. <laughs> I like... I do like the when she first puts her dead parents at the dinner table and she's sitting with them and having dinner. Yeah, shot. Yeah, I guess I'll go into editing sequences. Um, So starting from the opening behind the barn doors and when they open up like curtains to a a grand movie like Gone with the Wind or The Sound of Music or something. and then it, you're in one of her fantasies already, and it's very bright and uh, 
dreamy and she's dancing, talking to the animals. And then she's in her her mom's dress in her room and she's like dancing and the light is like um like a stage performance lighting and then it's it cuts when her mom opens the door and the music drops yeah. and it's dull and dark and you're like yeah. oh so setting the tone you know um especially for the intro of the mom's character yeah um so that that's my first favorite editing sequence i would say the next one is is Pearl's audition yeah. um, for the dance troupe. Because the way it weaves, it like just transitions seamlessly into, again, her her fantasy of like yeah. performing on stage as part of a chorus line. Um, it was just really, really great. I agree. Can I go back? Yeah. I'm gonna say that my favorite editing was that split screen moment. Right. It was just, it was beautiful, and I loved how it kind of went from her setting up her mother and cleaning up her mom to them at the dinner table. It also, I, I also like how it kind of has some comedy in it. You know, when she's yeah. like throwing the body parts of Mitzi. Yeah. And it's just, but it's so like dreamy. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. and childlike. Or yeah. like, yeah, whimsical, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but then I want to add to my, take that away and add to my favorite shot, yeah. the end scene of Pearl. Oh, where she's just smiling as the end, the end credits roll and the end, the end cards kind of go through and her smile is, I wouldn't say unwavering, but it's still there (laughs) and you see tears just fall from her face and it looks like she's in pain. Yeah, her (laughs) forehead muscles are going ham and her eyes are getting red and I mean, it just went through until that final, final moment where the end card just kind of swallows her into black. And it was just, that was a stunning way to kind of end the film. And dare I say that that's kind of my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. It was striking. Oh, beautiful. And it's just so telling that our whole theater was like uncomfortably yeah. laughing you know through it but we all sat through it and and i love how just... pearl didn't really like she literally didn't say anything in that end scene yeah. but it said so much yeah. at the same time captivating yeah so yeah that one definitely had to make the final cuts yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely um this goes without saying but favorite performance Mia Goth. Mia Goth. Undoubtedly. But yeah. Mia Goth. Oh. Little special shout out to all the farm animals. Oh, they yeah. Were great. They were great. That cow. Mm. The alligator? Yeah. <laughs> the little I sheep, mean, the little goat. That goose really had a just great depth. Poor goose. No. <laughs> He's just hanging out. I mean, yeah, he just waddled in and yeah. was like, quack, quack. Yeah. I mean, and she's like, goose, goose. goose. Nope. No. <laughs> goose, <Shit>. goose. <laughs> Did they quack? What's their name? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. They honk. Honk, honk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They fucking honk. They do. <laughs> Can we get a reprisal role of a goose and Maxine? Yes. <laughs> uh, do you have any thoughts on the music? I just thought it obviously paired so well with the overall style. I mean, of that. A hundred percent. Technicolor. Yeah. It just felt very, very like Wizard of Oz, Sound of Music, Gone with the Wind. It made me want to watch one of those movies at that time. Any other final cuts? No, that concludes it. Yes, Pearl. (laughs) Pearl. 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 Oh. (laughs) Let's not forget the callback to Lemonade. Oh <laughs> my god. Was, I cannot believe we forgot the Lemonade. That was one of the most satisfying things. It was. Like, just a great touch. I mean, I don't know why. in there with the picture like, of it. Christine and I always just latch on to a certain line or noise or something in a movie. It's so dumb and it's so random. (laughs) And like, there's no telling what it could be. I mean, and we completely exaggerated. Like the, would you like some lemonade? Some lemonade. Yeah, I mean. I mean, in our previous episode for Barbarian, we latched (laughs) into the mother's ba, 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 ba. And the 
boop. Yeah, and the boop. And so that titled our episode for Barbarian. <laughs> yeah. And then if you go back as far as X, we titled that movie that episode yeah. Lemonade and Disco because yeah. it was very reminiscent of that yeah. film for us. So and just to have yeah. her, just for it to wait till the end, because I kind of was looking out throughout the movie. I was like, Are they drinking I was lemonade? too very, was like, very subtly. No, they're drinking yeah. water, they're drinking milk, and then the last, she just, just the ending, yeah. amazing shot on her that's yeah. super unsettling, holding a big old pitcher of lemonade when, when her husband comes home and sees the fucking <laughs> the horror mess. show. So I don't know if you expected this, but mm. um. When Mitzi and Pearl come back to the house, and Mitzi's like, I'll get you something special to drink. And she puts the two cups on the counter. I a thousand percent was convinced it was going to be lemonade, and then it was milk. And I was like, maybe they're just not going to do... That's what she (laughs) said, though. But it wasn't. It wasn't. No. And I was convinced... And then it wasn't, and I was let down, and I was like, lemonade's just not going to make an appearance. And then, boom, we got lemonade. I love how milk, just drinking a glass of milk is just not a thing anymore. That is disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm so I mean, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry if you're a milk drinker and if you enjoy drinking milk yeah, by mean, the like, cup full, but you are I gross. You. I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I Okay, I used to. Growing up, you know, it was my... My dad was like, you know, build strong bones, which I, I don't even think is real. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we used to have a glass of milk with dinner. Just fucking, like, like with, like, spaghetti dinner, glass of milk. It sounds horrible now. I'm sorry. I'm going to double down your gross. <laughs> <laughs> I can only have a glass of milk if it's with something sweet, like a, a dessert. And that I can respect. Just a dessert. Like dipping cookies. I can respect it, but... Just a glass of milk to um, quench your thirst. Yeah. <laughs> um, any closing thoughts? I think that was a pretty good yeah. wrap up with the final cut. Go watch it. I think yeah. if you were a fan of X, you're going to love it. It's a fun theater experience. I mean, we're always just going to recommend seeing yeah. stuff in theaters. Obviously. I mean, this is the ultimate way yeah. to see it. Yeah. And so I definitely highly recommend seeing it in theaters. It just, I think it exemplifies the grandness that the movie was intending to kind yes. of come across as. Absolutely. And yeah, just go see it. If you liked X in the least bit. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with Pearl. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to see it in an old-timey theater. Or, like, you know, just a vintage kind of theater. That would be dope. What I want to do? I want them to hold a triple feature when Maxine comes out. So we could do X and then Pearl and then Maxine. So everything could be fresh in our minds. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. That would be really cool. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Uh, Well, folks. That concludes our episode on Pearl. So there you go. And please let us know what your favorite final cuts were of this um, film. Reach out to us on any of our social media so you can always email us. And with that being said, I'll be right back.